Welcome back. Cannabis Insider is back, roaring with a passion here. It's your hosts, Javier Hase, ultimate Argentinian action figure, cannabis mastermind, wrote, writes books, moderates panels, speaks at events. What do you not do, Javi? Do you make a good cocktail? Decent cocktail. I can cook. Um, I can't play baseball. There's one. <laughs> you know what? We, we help each other out. I grew up playing baseball. Yeah, you have all my weaknesses. I have one of yours. We'll, we'll call that a full, complete oh, sandwich. Stop it. We are <laughs> back. We are back. That's why they call us Slim Shady. We are back. Slim Shady. You just ripped out that, that quote here. Love it. Javi, what a two weeks, man. First of all, there is a new member of my family, which is why I have been gone for two weeks. So uh, we now have a two-week-old. Uh, well, a, tell us all about it. We oh, man, hear. she's we, amazing. We don't, we don't want to talk finance today. We're not going to talk. You're, you're here to hear about me and my life, right? Like, that's what, that's what this podcast is about. But alongside of that, and honestly, for the purposes of this content, probably more importantly, Benzinga hosted its second Cannabis Capital Conference of the year last week in Chicago. Javier, I'm going to let you actually do most of the 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 kind of rundown of how you thought it went because you were on site. I was obviously on paternity leave. But, I mean, the, the agenda we set up, I think, performed. I think the feedback mm-hmm. we've gotten and the mood of the people who were participating in the event from before to after has lifted. It, 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 do you agree with that? I mean, it was, it was amazing. Honestly, the feedback we got was incredible. This is our 15th edition of the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. If you missed it, don't miss the next one. We're, we're coming back to Miami, no, April 11th through the 13th. That's correct. Fountain Blue Hotel 2023. Get ready. Get your tickets now. They will never be cheaper, more affordable, more affordable than right now. BZCannabis.com to start finding out, getting ready for the next event. If you missed this one, if you attended, do tell us what you thought of it. I think it was amazing. The feedback we got was incredible. The best conference I've seen, you know, the industry standard, you've taken over, all kinds of crazy stuff. Honestly, the top executives in the industry, most of the investors, we had, I don't know, like hundreds of investors, uh, 95% of the total cannabis market cap, meaning companies representing 95% of the market cap for all publicly traded cannabis companies out there. We had all the major MSOs, a bunch of celebrities, right? We had, we had Vic Mensa show up and speak. We had uh, Mike Tyson, Ric Flair, uh, Jim Belushi showed up. Uh, played his harmonica. That was Played awesome. the harmonica, shot his reality show for Discovery Channel second season. Uh, we had an amazing panel of, of, of athletes. We had Every major that. MSO. I mean, we didn't have every major LP, and we're going to give Raj some crap about scheduling his earnings the same time as our event. Uh, but that being said, you know, we love High Tide. We're actually speaking with our CEO right after we get done with a few bits and news items here. But what an agenda. We also held our first Cannabis Awards, and you can see the Argentinian action figure there himself, Javier Hase, handing out some awards, Jason and Patrick. I will say, I think the conversations had were optimistic. I think they were realistic. Um, You know, Pablo Zwanich released a note talking about the sentiment of the industry that he gathered from our conference. MG Magazine released a post-event recap today, uh, obviously glowing. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't mention it. Uh, (laughs) And I was thrilled. 
to read that. So thanks to, to the team over there for even coming and participating. That being said, Javier, was an amazing event. And we want you all to be a part of this. We want you to participate. We want you to attend. And you can get tickets now for just a couple hundred bucks. By the time you get to the door at the event, there's several thousand. So yep. make sure you get your tickets early. That being said, Javier, we are here to talk about cannabis. And people listen to us to talk about cannabis. So let's let's just run down a few items. We have two amazing interviews today. As I said, we're talking to the CEO of NASDAQ, listed High Tide, H-I-T-I, Raj Grover. And then we're also talking to one of the co-founders of Houseplant. Yes, Very sir. excited Good about that. Out. It's not Good Seth Rogen, though. El Guapotron and the Dutch Skull Gamer, El Guapotron. Right before the show started, said, and Raj, we trust. And the Dutch call gamer <laughs> said, we do. We do. And Raj, we trust. I can't wait to hear from him on uh, his last quarter. Very, very, very positive. With that being said, Javier, give us give us what's top of mind. Some uh, sad news out of Idaho. Oh, no. Um, as oh. of November 1st, the sale of CBD and hemp-derived products for pets will be banned in the state. Lazy. It's lazy. How is that anything but lazy? Anytime you ban something, all you're doing is increasing the black market sales of that product within cannabis, at least. Obviously, it's not going to be true for everything, but it will be true for, for marijuana, for cannabis, for, for people understanding that the utility can apply to pets. To me, that's just lazy. Javi, do you have a difference of opinion? Oh, I, I think lazy is a good definition. Definitely uh, uninformed, but but lazy is a good definition because really what that says to me is we do not want to regulate it. We mm -hmm. do not want to spend the time thinking, doing a research to come up with sensible regulations, right? We do know that CBD and hemp-derived products work on pets. There are clinical trials that prove its efficacy, its safety, right? It's the, it, it's, it's just, of course, as you say, I think that is a very good definition. It is lazy, but it is what it is. I'm sure, uh, Idaho will change its mind. Yeah. Sure. Meanwhile, California signed the dude signed like 10 bills, right? Uh, I mean, do you want to talk more about that? Including one where veterinarians can recommend, um, medical, is it medical cannabis specifically? Yeah, I mean, generally, like cannabis for pets. Uh, so um, Governor Gavin Newsom, Democrat, signed a bill last week uh, creating a few different, uh, well, it was a few bills, right? One of them was for uh, the framework for interstate commerce, right? Uh, as you may or may not know, I'm sure most, most viewers do know, do know that, that it, because cannabis remains a federally illegal substance, uh, considered a Schedule One narcotic by the DEA, there is no interstate commerce. Even between two states that are fully legal, they cannot uh, send cannabis from one state to the other because crossing state lines still constitutes a federal crime. Mm -hmm. However, the new bills signed by Newsom do create a sort of framework for interstate commerce, uh, allowing California to enter into bilateral agreements with other states that allow for cannabis sales whether recreational or medical uh to sell cannabis or, or transport cannabis they also uh, the other bills that were interesting you know there, there was one that uh seeks to to undo some of the harms of prohibition um sealing records from from people who are incarcerated for nonviolent crimes there's another one that protects uh people uh workers from being penalized by their employers for off-the-clock marijuana use. Uh, very, very cool stuff overall. I think it's it's progressive laws that uh, 
um, are, you know, helping shape an industry that seeks to go federal, that seeks to go national, that seeks to go even global, right? And we need a lot of Yeah, no, no, that's that's fantastic insight. There's a lot of news happening right now on the state level. And and I think that's worth pointing out. Everybody's looking toward the federal side. They're looking for a safe. And if safe or or something doesn't get passed, you see a lot more pressure on small and mid-sized businesses. Uh, if, but at the same time, you know, there's some exciting things happening in Missouri right now uh, that may be the 20th recreational state come November. I mean, that would be pretty massive. You get yeah. city, you some pretty big cities <laughs> in the state of Missouri, uh, pretty small cities too. Uh, but that being said, uh, <laughs> I, it, it'd be exciting. Like the, the reform for marijuana is still rolling downhill, even if it doesn't seem like that. Um, yeah. when the legalization start in USA, <laughs> incrementally, Robert, incrementally, uh, El Guapo, appreciate that. Uh, shout out for our conference, my friend. It is always a beast to put together Miami in April. We want to see you back there, my friend. Um, although I'm pretty sure you just, you are El Guapo Tron 4,000. He's like RoboCop. Um, so that being said, Javi, do you have anything directly from today that caught your eye? Not really. I have the the one last shout out and I want to get to our interviews. The one shout out is for Apple, uh, which continues to push boundaries regarding cannabis, defying the, you know, the, the feds, uh, federal government, Apple, AAPL, uh, of course, uh, you know, that's the ticker, uh, included in its latest update for iOS 16 uh, in the Apple Health app. Now you can input whether you use cannabis or not, right? And, and the reason for this to, to exist is because they look at potential interactions between other medications you might be taking, uh, which is, I think is a, is, is a step in the right direction, right? It's, it's something that I expect from my doctor, right? Like the risk factors for someone my age, I'm 32, are like uh, safe sex, alcohol consumption, drug consumption, cannabis, right? You look at, at, at those factors and you can kind of figure out if, if, if you're living a life that, that is healthy, and, and, and what kind of, of, of things you could potentially be exposed to. Uh, and now Apple is doing the same. They're going like, okay, it's, it's, it's reasonable to ask people about their habits. If we have this, tra- this app tracking health, doesn't matter if cannabis is federally illegal, people are still doing it. Mm-hmm. So why not track it? So props to Apple for sure. continuing to- Another step to normalize. And that is the ultimate battle when it comes to public education is normalization. Uh, and regulatory action. Uh, that's that's a great shout out, man. Anything else before we get to what all of our team is waiting for, and that's to not listen to us. Yeah, no, a, a bunch <laughs> of stuff really, but uh, let's just get to the interview. Go check out the series, Why Magic Mushrooms Are Emerging as a Major Part of Public Disclosure on Benzinga.com slash cannabis. Our great writer, Lara Goldstein, is doing a four-part series on this. The first two uh, articles in the series are out. They look into into microdosing, into mushrooms. Go take a look. Why magic mushrooms are emerging as a major part of public discourse on Benzinga.com slash cannabis. That is it for me. Let's get to our first of two amazing guests that we have today. Let's do it. There he is, CEO of High Tide. We have Raj Grover. How are you, Raj? Welcome on. 
I'm doing well, Elliot. First of all, congratulations on your two weeks old. Fun times ahead for you. Yeah, it's going to be a, a sleepless winter, my friend. <laughs> sleepless winter. But we're going to keep on with the cannabis content, right? Do you have kids? It's, that's a personal question. This is a business podcast. Sorry about that. <laughs> I've, got, I've got three. I'll say that and then we get back to business. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Well, Raj, to you again, my friend, tell us about you. How did you end up CEO of a Canadian cannabis company, international cannabis company now? You know, it's been a fun ride. Uh, just for your viewers, one more time, I am Raj Grover, the founder and CEO of High Tide. And, uh, you know, it's been an incredible journey, Elliot and Javier. Started in 2009 with a smoke shop with a $48,000 investment and two employees. And here we are today reporting our best quarter ever at $95 million in sales and, you know, 77% increase in adjusted EBITDA. You know, so proud of this execution, but just, just, for, just for the sake of mentioning it, this execution is not new to high tide. We've been doing it for years. I'm just waiting to finally get noticed. Uh, you know, so things are really going well for our company. We are the largest non-franchise retailer in the company, uh, in the country with 140 operating locations. Hopefully we get to 150 by the end of this year. We, we always try to get to our goals. We, you know, we set these goals and we achieve them and 200 to 250 in the long term in Canada. And to supplement all that, we're also one of the most uniquely diversified cannabis ecosystem anywhere in the world. You know, we also have uh, three of the most popular CBD brands, uh, two out of the United States one out of the UK, and we also control and own three of the top five consumption accessory e-commerce platforms in the world. So all in all, it's a very exciting story, and I'm excited to be here to share all the details with you guys. Who are some of these products? Can you, can you tell people, you know, where, where are your CBD brands? What are your, your ancillary products that you're selling? Uh, because there's so much in, the, in that portfolio. Yes, yeah, so we, we purchased a company called Fab CBD out of Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee, and uh, um, uh, we supplemented that with New Leaf Naturals out of Denver, Colorado, and then we purchased another CBD company in the UK called Bless CBD, which is UK's number one CBD brand. So between the three companies, you know, we get a really nice, nice exposure in the United States and in the EU market. We're also CGMP certified in Denver, Colorado to start exporting our CBD products internationally, which remains a, an opportunity that we are yet to capitalize on. And then, you know, we've been designing and manufacturing consumption accessories for over a decade. That's our niche. That's what we do. Uh, and, you know, we also have licensed uh, celebrity branded consumption accessories. So we produce almost 80 to 85 percent of all consumption accessories we sell, retail and distribution. Wow. We make them ourselves. Let me ask you one follow up to this one. And it's why do you go for such an aggressive M&A strategy? You just mentioned you bought two companies in the U.S., one in the U.K., uh, you also are constantly acquiring dispensaries. Uh, you know, every other week, Benzinga Cannabis is covering a new acquisition of yours. We already don't know what to do with the headlines. You know, we can't go acquire, acquire, acquire. So now it's like high tide snags up two dispensaries here. You know, one in, in you know, acquires, buys a, a dispensary in, in, in Niagara Falls. Like, what, why is uh, like this? M&A strategy part of your overall business plan? How does it fit? How does it work? How does it benefit shareholders? Well, let me tell you this first. We only acquire it if it's strategic and highly accretive. Look at every single one of my deals and, and, and you know, that is for everybody to see. And my take is if you are the best operator in the country, which we've proven time and time again, quarter after quarter, you can look at these quarters numbers, again, just confirming what we've been doing for many years. 
if you can supplement that with strategic and accretive M&A, then who can beat you? Who can touch you? And, and you know, that has been a core part of our strategy, the way we've devised high tide with diversifying the ecosystem and getting higher gross margins elsewhere when it was very depressed in Canada and becoming that top leader in Canada by leveraging you know, this diversified ecosystem, now we can get back to our core business of, of continued organic expansion and continuing to do brick and mortar M&A deals. And you know, to your point, uh, we purchased a store in Niagara Falls or we've just purchased nine stores from Chum Holdings mm-hmm. into their CCAA proceedings. You know, what it's constantly giving me is we are, we are basically setting up the multiples on what these stores are worth in Canada. And if I can be the le- leader and dictate these terms on what these stores are worth, and continue to raise uh, you know, our, our store portfolio organically and through M&A and continue to raise our revenues aggressively, then you know, we are creating shareholder value and th- that's for everybody to see. So M&A is a huge part of our strategy. We're not going to stop here. As long as the deal is accretive, we are going to exercise on it. Beautiful. And that's how you keep such a clean balance sheet. Uh, <laughs> that's fantastic, Raj. So before we get into e-commerce and, and anything of that nature, because I always find that super interesting, can you chat a little bit about the competition right now in Canada and the state of the Canadian market that you're operating in? It's, it's a bit of a broad question, so respect to that in terms of I'm flinging this on you. Uh, but I'd love to hear from you. What is the Canadian market like right now? The Canadian market on the retail side is hyper, hyper competitive, right? You've got over 16, 1700 stores in Ontario now. You've got over 800 stores in Alberta. Alberta only has 4.3 million people. We're the largest operators in Alberta with 75 locations. We're also close, second largest operator in Ontario with 42 locations. And, you know, if you look at the landscape, we are still finding opportunities to continue to grow our portfolio. We still have another 32 locations we can add in Alberta. Uh, we can add in Ontario. And if you look at Alberta, we're going into, because our concept is so well received, we came up with our discount club model strategy in October of 2021, executed it to perfection, breached our own, own internal goals of this is where we're going to be in terms of same store sales increases. Now that we have the best concept in Canada, we're entering saturated markets, uh, you know, with, with no fear whatsoever. And we're continuing to clean up that landscape. So although Canada is a very, very competitive market, uh, it, is, uh, it is not stopping our upward momentum or trajectory. That's fantastic. And looking outward, just as a follow-up here, these international expansion strategy you have, it differs incredibly so from your Canadian peers. Uh, it, was that on purpose? Is it just you see value in different aspects and, and, and sectors of, of the cannabis space because you're in CBD, you're in ancillary products? I'm curious as to... Uh, why there's such a difference between the other LPs and, and really what you're doing, and it's proving good and beneficial to your, to your credit. Elliot, everything we do at High Tide is on purpose. If you don't have your strategy mapped out, then you're, just, <laughs> then you're just shooting in the dark. We don't shoot in the dark. You know, getting those ancillary businesses while well, we were designing and manufacturing consumption accessories, and we're a retail-focused company. So, yes, it makes complete sense to own some of the top e-commerce platforms or distribution channels for these consumption accessories. Same goes for CBD. We're the largest operators in Canada with 140 brick and mortar locations. And we can bring these international, these very well-renowned, well-known CBD brands, global CBD brands into our stores in Canada. I always say 20, 25% of the world's population wants to get high. 100% of the world's population wants to get healthy. So why would we leave if, if this CBD is just another cannabinoid in the cannabis plant? and there's hundreds of cannabinoids being discovered, why would we leave money on the table when there's opportunity on that side? But if you really want to drill down deep into our strategy, 
What others did not notice a couple of years ago, we saw it coming. We saw Canada becoming extremely competitive. Then Ontario does not have distance requirements and it's the largest landscape in the country. And you have cannabis shops across from each other. How are you going to survive? And you know, I had a few peers that had a lot more money than I do. They still do. And, mm -hmm. but do they have the execution? Do they have the strategy? And we tapped into that diversified strategy that it's fine. Gross margins are getting depressed in Canada, not a problem. We'll go get our gross margins here. We get to learn about new ancillary business channels, which we are already involved in. Leverage that side, fight in Canada, become the leader in Canada, and then you get to pick and choose which vertical you want to really blow up. We have a, a bunch of, of to, uh, different topics to touch on, but unfortunately we have like only a couple of minutes left. You reported revenue up 98%, gross profit increased by 54%. Growth profit margins uh, were, were amazing as well. So I'm not going to ask you about that, actually, because what are you going to say? Yeah, it's great. Instead, I'm going to do a rapid fire round of questions from the chat. You have 10 seconds to answer each one. First one is from ACJT. Will you consider extending the WT warrants? Uh, that is not in my control. We've uh, we had some investors reach out to us and we reached out to Toronto Stock Exchange Venture, which is a home exchange. And as for the exchange rules, we are not allowed to provide an extension. As for my understanding. Fantastic. Next one. Can you do another AMA? Ask me anything on Reddit. I'm always ready for an AMA. In fact, I publicly put it out. Let me come up with the quarter. So I'm not hesitating or shy about talking about our numbers. So uh, I can tell you there's an AMA coming up. One more. How could monetizing the club membership impact the bottom line? Example, 20% of 1 million members, 200K at $5 a month or 60 a year. When you're talking about 750,000 members, uh, you know, you're not talking about a, a small amount of 200,000. We're talking about in the millions. And, and that is the intention with Cabana Elite. Again, we have been the first to come out with a, a, a very well-rounded membership model to uh, Cabana Club. And now we're going to take it a step above and make a paid membership cannabis program. And that has not, not just happened in brick and mortar cannabis. So, you know, we're really excited about launching Elite uh, in the coming months here. What's the growth rate to Elite? So the growth rate overall to our membership program has been exponential. So back in October of 2021, when we launched our program, we were sitting at around 245,000 members when we shifted to the discount club model. And our customers loved it so much. Today, we have 750,000 members, which is roughly approximately a 200% growth rate. Even if I get a very small percentage of that starting to convert into elite, you know, we are going to see this rising momentum quarter after quarter of paid memberships. And that's exactly what I'm looking forward to. Fantastic, Raj. This is awesome. Leave us with a few thoughts on the rest of the year. I know you already gave us, you know, a little bit of projection there, but what can we look for from high tide uh, through the throughout the remainder of 2022 going into 2023. So look, we're at $400 million of annual run rate trajectory currently. We have 140 stores. We are going to try our best to hit that 150 store number. We're going to come very, very close to it. And, you know, I am hoping to extract over half a billion dollars in Canada alone from a brick and mortar portfolio alone. That might not happen at the end of 2022, but you can call it you know, in the uh, mid of 2023, end of 2023, we should nicely breach that number. This is how hopeful we are and excited about our, uh, excited about our model. So stay tuned because there's, there's lots to come from us in the next 18 months in Canada alone. Forget about all of our international plays that we have going. Raj, I can't wait for you to talk about it in Miami at our next Cannabis Capital Conference, uh, my friend. But all jokes aside, really appreciate your time today. It's been very insightful. 
the invite's open. Let's do this again ASAP. It's a pleasure to have you on. Very happy to be here. Happy to chat anytime. Thanks, Raj. Be well, my friend. Thank you. Awesome. Honestly, we finally got to talk to Raj Grover. I don't know what took so long. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you for your questions. We always want participation. Javier, any thoughts uh, before we hit our second awesome guest of the day? No, I'm ready for another guest. Let's hit it. Get it. Do it. CEO, co-founder of Houseplant, Michael Mikey Moore. Mr. Moore, how are you? It's been a bit. It's been almost a year since we've had the pleasure. How have you been? I'm doing well, guys. It has been about a year. Great to see you. Yeah, yeah. too long. Thank you for the patience, too. I, I am sure houseplant products help maintain that calm and just... <laughs> Javier. Amazingly chill mode. Javier, are you calm right now? Do you have something to tell us? <laughs> no, seriously. Mikey, it's a pleasure to have you on. My friend, your first time on this show in particular, so uh, it's, a, it's a custom here. Tell us about you and how you got into cannabis. Uh, sure. Uh, I mean, my path to cannabis you know, through Houseplant really started with two close friends of mine, uh, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen. And the three of us, you know, having multiple conversations about the opportunity that was coming to be within the cannabis sector as it was in kind of various stages of legality here in California and, and just kind of grabbed the reins with them on that opportunity and, and, you know, brought some discipline and, and patience to that process as we just started to study the landscape for a few years and figure out, you know, what we wanted to do within it. So um, it was really kind of just organic, uh, you know, three, three close friends that uh, wanted to, you know, give it a go. You have a, a partnership with some might say the ultimate stoner. Uh, why do you choose to not use his name on the brand, right? Like, why do you choose to not use his face? Many of the celebrity brands are, are very self-referential, right? They, they will either in include the, the, the celebrity's name or some kind of, of reference to what they do. And here, you know, you just went for a brand that is beautiful, that is cool, that is great in every sense. And then, you know, Seth will pop up here and they're saying like, hey, dude, check out my brand, right? But but why this decision to to not go, whatever, houseplant by Seth Rogen, even though Evan Goldberg is involved, even you are involved, right? Yeah, obviously the the connection with Seth and and his impact on the business and his reach is what creates a real unfair advantage for us uh, to cut through a lot of the noise and competition here, right? But early on, you know, we always spoke about this opportunity and how large. Uh, it, it, it was, and and what we felt we had a real advantage in pursuing was our ability to talk about weed and, and to consumers in a way that that others weren't capable of doing. And the greatest data point we had for that was Pineapple Express in the film that the guys uh, you know brought to the world and, and and succeeded in doing exactly that. And you know, I mean, as Seth says himself, more people like weed than like him. As lovable as he is and as great of a, a you know, a, a person and public figure as he is, 
uh, there's a much broader consumer uh, base for cannabis products now and and going forward. And so it never it never made sense for us to uh, restrict it to being you know just tied to to one person. So looking at how you're building this business, and obviously <laughs> you have a great grounding to it that's probably higher than the vast majority of other brands that get started. What, what's your strategy in terms of assets, in terms of uh, real estate, equipment, growing your own weed? Like what like part of the vertical integration are you involved in for your company uh, and what do you uh, own per se, for lack of a better term? Sure. Uh, well, we essentially run two distinct businesses over here. We run a premium homewares business, which we call house goods, which is the house side of the business. And then we're in the cannabis space on the plant side of the business. On the plant side of the business, we're what is referred to or what we call a, a asset light. Mm -hmm. We don't have any licenses within the supply chain. We don't own any equipment. We are not doing any uh, task that is required to bring a product from seed all the way uh, to sale. We're not cultivating, distributing, manufacturing. Uh, we don't have retail. We spent over a year just in the U.S. alone ahead of launch, picking partners whom we could rely upon to do different parts of the supply chain. And we bring our intense rigor and consumer focus to that supply chain through our packaging, through our marketing, through relationships with retailers, and through our, uh, our, our ability to uh, hand select cultivators whom can grow the best weed in the state. Uh, and, and so that, that's how we are set up on that side of the business. Um, so we don't own any assets on the cannabis side, uh, aside from some collateral and uh, you know, some trade fixtures that are going into stores. Uh, on the house side of the business, uh, again, we don't do manufacturing ourselves. Um, so the assets that we own is inventory sitting in the warehouse, uh, you know, finished goods ready to be sold through our direct consumer platform at houseplant.com uh, and also now available at certain uh, retailers across the country. Fantastic. So when you look at expansion, just a, a quick follow up here, when you look at expansion, um, how, how are you taking the houseplant brand further? Is that a, something that you're focused on? Do you take both of them at the same time? Do you uh, let them grow at different pace? Uh, I'm curious as to, as to how you're doing that. Yeah, for us, we launched March 2021 in the U.S., and we launched both sides of the business concurrently. The house side of the business, organically, not spending a dollar on paid media, within five months, we were selling homewares to someone in every single state in the country. Wow. So that business is a nationwide business, you know, in its, since its inception. Uh, and that's a business that we are, you know, heavily leaning into growth uh, uh, for as we acquire new customers, you know, across the nation. Uh, uh, so on the cannabis side of the business, we only have houseplant products in California right now, and we are having a, a constant conversation about how we will strategically grow our cannabis presence across the nation. For us, because we are asset light uh, and because our cannabis specifications, our SOPs are so incredibly tight. And because we have such a focus on the consumer experience and demanding that every single product interaction with our product is perfect, 
there are only a certain number of markets that we could comfortably go into today. So a market needs to be at a certain scale uh, and maturity in order for us to be able to rely upon a primary group of supply chain you know, operators uh, and also have backups for those that all of whom we would be comfortable working with. There's a few very interesting things you, you touched on. Uh, I, I like the asset light model, uh, the fact that you don't keep depreciating assets and, and keep inventory has great tax advantages. We had a very interesting conversation uh, about taxes and, and inventory as, as, a, as one of the few things that can in a certain way be deducted. I think that is not such an interesting conversation for the mainstream audience, but then you also touched on, on, on developing CPG products and house goods. It's been more than a year since you've launched in the US. You have not paid for media and yet you have one of the largest platforms out there, right? You put out a product and the, the world knows about it every time, right? We always report on El Planteo in Latin America. It gets picked up by, by every major Latin American media outlet afterwards, right? So looking at the data, right, and going like, okay, whenever we put out a product, people know about it. There's no products that are, you know, a best kept secret out there, right? So what are the fan favorites? What are the consumer favorites for CPGs and, and, and for, uh, for house goods? I think that is interesting yeah. to the audience because it can give us an idea, a temp, you know, of the temperature of the market, what people are interested sure. in. Sure. I'd say, I mean, our, our number one bestseller by volume is the ashtray set by Seth. And we've brought it out in a number of different colorways at this point. And it's a really, it's an approachable price point, uh, you know, just sub a hundred dollars. And it is a few things. It is an ashtray. It is a bud vase as well. Uh, and, and so it's a product that is like just beautiful and nice to have in your home. Uh, really nice to have on display and appeals to, uh, cannabis consumers and and cannabis friendly hosts as well. Like it's a great piece to have at your house that you can utilize, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and put some like, flowers in or, or or clippings from your garden, right? And, and and you can have an ashtray for when someone comes over and you don't want to hand them, you know, a mug to ash in, right? Uh, and it has that that direct connection to Seth and and because it's it's designed based off of you know his uh, his his own pottery, right? Uh, so that's uh, number one bestseller by volume. Some products that have surprised us uh, to the upside this year, I would say the standing ashtray was, uh, you know, when we were making it, we fell in love with it. And what is that? we really... What is a standing me? ashtray? Is a, it like a, a standing ashtray, yeah, it, it would go right next to a, a chair or your couch. Uh, oh. And, you know, it's, it's uh, kind of arm, arm height, uh, you know, uh, armchair height. And uh, it's a beautiful kind of mid-century inspired uh, furnishing piece. And um, we knew, you know, it was beautiful as we were making it and we fell in love with it. Uh, and then we just got the marketing of it, the positioning of it perfect, I would say, uh, with a great um, fuck tables campaign. Uh, um, and, uh, and, and people loved it. Uh, and, and so that we will be, uh, we sold out of uh, and it, it will be returning soon. Um, and then uh, concrete was a really uh, exciting uh, material for us to explore earlier this year with our all-in-one rolling tray. And we sold out of all of those. We actually just today uh, uh, announced uh, and made uh, available to the public uh, the possibility to enter 
um, a draw uh, for, for a chance to purchase um, 197 uh, new all-in-one rolling trays. And concrete is, as a material, we got such great reception to that. Uh, and so in the very near future, uh, we will have some new concrete-based um, uh, items coming out as well that we're excited about. Dude, all this is so interesting. It's it's really innovative. And, and the fact that you're selling that, that people are lining up to buy stuff. But it's it's not gas, right? It's not something you need. And, and still people are, 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 you know, going like, I'll get into a draw to see if I can buy this. Yeah. I just, yeah. what we found is it's, it's really validating for consumers who have wanted nice things for, you know, their lifestyle for so long. And finally they're they're being spoken to in a, in a way that they should be spoken to and and there are you know products that are being made for them and given as much consideration as as you know products that are made for for people that that do other things in their life so um i think it's a really validating exciting experience for many people out there who haven't um you know who've, who've been embarrassed about and made to feel embarrassed about about smoking weed And, um, and it's really validating for us as well and exciting for us to, you know, get to make physical products and see people, you know, spend their hard-earned money on them and enjoy them. And, you know, the, the feedback that we get is, is, is just really encouraging and, and, and heartwarming. Dang. I, what, what cool, cool feedback. And honestly, it, it goes back to the brand side of the discussion as well. I keep going back to that. I'm sorry. But in terms of, you know, the, the soccer mom. It can also consume cannabis. It doesn't have to be somebody who grew up listening uh, to reggae music. Uh, you know, there are different tides to those who consume. So very interesting. Also, the chat, uh, I think they're talking about your Fuck Tables campaign because I am too. That's incredible. Uh, obsessed with that, by the way. I just want to end with this. We're, we're running way over. Totally worth it. So glad we got to talk to you uh, today. So CPG obviously is the big three letters in this industry when it comes to consumption. Um, you know, and, and I think everybody who doesn't have a celebrity brand say celebrities don't matter. It comes down to quality, but everybody who does have a celebrity brand, you're like, well, I mean, we started a, a step ahead of, of a lot of other brands because of our action with the celebrity, but I'd like to get your two cents on the actual brand itself and the, the actual importance that Seth plays there. But also I want, to hear your experience and how it's also necessary to have a good team on your side on, you know, driving the industry forward. It's not just about Seth uh, and what houseplants doing. Absolutely. I mean, well, firstly, I agree with everyone who says that it's all about quality, quality over celebrity, right? With, if, if your products are not exceptional and don't have a reason to exist, mm -hmm. then I wouldn't plan on being here for very long in any industry, but especially not in cannabis, which is so challenging of a, of a sector as it is, right? So quality for us is, is paramount. And that's why we take such measured and, and disciplined growth on the cannabis side of our business is because it, it, it's more about getting it right um, than, than just getting it done. Um, and uh, I mean, we spend an insane amount of time on everything that we do the packaging, 
prototypes, living with everything ourselves for a while and making sure that it works great and that it's a great consumer experience. The consumer experience is first and foremost the priority for us. And this is still early days of this industry. And so for us, it's all about building awareness, but more so building trust. And so every time that we put a product out into the world or we put a piece of uh, a marketing or like an advertisement out into the world, we we spend an, an exorbitant amount of time making sure that the recipient of that product or the viewer of that you know uh, piece of creative is re- is seeing it and has no doubt that the people behind it put an insane amount of thought into it because that that's going to build trust through every touch point, every view, um, in, in, in that and every interaction that consumers have with Houseplant, and that will that will make us a winner long term. You can hear the passion in your voice, Mikey. Really appreciate it, man. Any any last words you want to talk about? Houseplant, houseplant, what we can expect for the rest of the year? Any fun product announcements that you can just drop on this show out of nowhere? Yeah, all that yeah sure. And, and guys, thanks for having me. Pleasure to, to be here and talk about all this. You know I get, it, I get excited and you can hear the passion. Uh, and uh, we have some really exciting products coming out over these next couple of months. Q4 is going to be big for us. I really encourage people go to housepent.com, sign up for the, for the email list, sign up for early access. There's things that happen to, to those, you know, for the, that group of people um, that, that, you know, the world may not know about and see or, or have access to. So I highly encourage if you're interested in what we're doing, uh, go to get over to housepent.com and sign up. And there's some really exciting stuff coming, coming your way shortly. Awesome. Love that. Well, let's get you back on to chat about it when that happens, my friend. But thank you so much for being here, Mikey. Really appreciate the update. Yeah, we'd love to come back, guys. Great to see you. And and thanks again for having me. Of course, my friend. See you soon. Bye-bye. Javier, (laughs) two amazing interviews today. As always, I mean, these executives Um, that come on the show are crazy cool. I don't know. What was it that we didn't do or I didn't do a show for a few weeks? I was traveling for several conferences, including ours. And, uh, wasn't this like a especially fun show? The show was crazy good. I mean, not because of us. No offense to you, Javi. But we just had really cool guests that had really cool updates. And we also had El Guapotron and Monkey Boy uh, in the YouTube chat reuniting as father and son. Um, so excited that we can bring people together uh, all around cannabis. But thank you all so much for participating in the chat. Your questions are so appreciated. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we... Here, here at four o'clock Eastern time. Please always join us. Um, that said, Javier, last words to you, my friend. Yes, sir. Just go check out benzinga.com slash cannabis for your daily dose of cannabis news. As you know, 40 articles every day. Maureen Meehan, our amazing editor, does a great job. We have Vuka Nina Stiniak. We have Yelena Riding. We have Nico, Lara. Uh, I'm, I'm there's, there's, I'm sure there's people I'm forgetting here every, every time, uh, Joanna, but go check out the work. It's, it's amazing. It's super informative. It's easy to digest. It's easy to read. And we're here for you. We're here to serve you. We're here to deliver the news. We have no bias other than the fact that we do think that cannabis should be legal, um, and, and, and more looked into, but, but we have no biases really. Uh, and, um, you know, that, that is our service to, to our readers, to our readership. Uh, hope you love it. Hope you add us to your favorites. Hope you subscribe to our newsletter and come back next Thursday.
for another episode of Benzinga Cannabis Insider here on YouTube, on Spotify, on Twitter, anywhere you want to listen, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. Just check us out every Tuesday and Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. That is it for today. Uh, I think Elliot is frozen, so I'm going to close it up here. Peace.